and welcome to this edition of the John and Leah Show. This is the program where we talk about the news of the week, the events of our often bizarre lives, and where we provide you with a three-hour oasis of honesty and rationality in the desert of insanity and deceit, which is the American media, cultural, and political landscape. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Each edition of the John and Leah Show is compelling, but for several reasons, I anticipate this one being more so than normal. First of all, it's Labor Day weekend, so you, most of you have absolutely no excuse not to listen to the full three-hour program live instead of relying <laughs> on the podcast, which probably won't even be available till Tuesday because of the holiday. That's number one. Number two, both me and Leah have had horrible weeks. Yes. Uh, Leah, you are sick. As a dog. But I have my Musinex here, so I'm hanging in. I appreciate you toughing it out and being here with us. It's a much better show when you're here than than when you're not. Um, you also had your air conditioning go out, which is not, Again. A, not a real good time in Alabama to have your air conditioning go out. No. It always seems to work that way. So, yeah. So you're Always on a holiday weekend, by the way. The last time the air conditioning went out was during the... Uh, hot spell that we had at Christmas. <laughs> well, uh, I'm sorry to hear that. Is that I assume that the radio studio in Alabama there is at least air conditioned. It is. It is. So I've been living here for the day. All right. Well, at least we can we we can rationalize your your being here on the fact that you're at least cooler than you would be at yes. home. Oh the, gosh, yes. Despite your illness. Uh, as for me, this is always a rough week for me, but particularly this year because. You know, my wife is a school teacher, and she went back to school this week. And for her, that is just horrendous on every possible oh, yeah. level. Oh, yeah. uh, and it's not just because, you know, you start the end of the summer vacation, and she mourns the end of summer vacation every year. But now she's starting a brand-new job at a new school, so there's extra tension there. And on top of that— She has that, to leave Gracie. Well, she has to leave Grace, our four-year-old daughter, who, who has been not adjusted well to that— at all, uh, and has has really been a super brat uh, all week <laughs> after uh, being a brat for basically the last couple of months, especially to me. Uh, <laughs> and now she blames me, I think, for her mom being gone. Oh, uh, this wonder where week. she got that from. And, and then, and then, add into this, of course, <laughs> as we've alluded to before, my wife is technically pregnant right now, though we don't know whether the fetus is viable yet. So she's. You know, jacked up on hormones and she's nauseous. So you add in end of summer, new job, separation from grace, hormones and nausea. And guess whose face is in the exhaust pipe uh, of uh, all that's coming out of there? Uh, that would be yours, It's a Julie. recipe for disaster. Oh, it's horrendous. And we got in a big fight today, largely because I just got sick and tired of the exhaust pipe being put in my face. Uh, and so uh, I'm in a fight with my wife. I'm in a fight with my daughter. My co-host is uh, sick and uh, barely with us today. No but, air conditioning. My life's a mess. You right. know, it's so, all. It, this is the way it is. So now we've gotten all our excuses out of the way. By the way, you know, the first thing I wanted to talk about tonight is at least roll tide. Roll tide. Well, no, that's the second thing. We'll we'll oh. get to roll tide in a second. <laughs> that the was first, my first thing, I, of course. But the, the the first thing for me is actually related to some of the issues that I had in my life, which is this holiday weekend of Labor Day. Oh. And and how Labor Day has, has now basically been eviscerated from all meaning, at least that it used to have, 
you know, I'm 49. You know, I, I hate saying, well, back when I was a kid. You know, <laughs> but back when I was a kid, it was like sacrilegious to say that summer was over until until, until Labor Day. I mean, it was sacrilegious to close the pool of, before yeah. Labor Day. And, and, you know, part of that is because I grew up in the Philadelphia suburbs and going to the Jersey Shore is the thing to do. And, you know, you, it's it was almost against the law to say anything about the end of summer at the Jersey Shore until at least tonight, maybe tomorrow, you know, Labor Day itself. By Tuesday, the shore is a is a ghost town for the for the rest of the winter time. Except they used to have the I guess they still do now the uh, Miss America pageant in Atlantic City the next week. That used to be the tradition, which would keep my grandparents in town for one more week, trying to squeeze it out of the summer. But <laughs> but now but now part, mostly because well it's everything's a domino effect. Schools have no consistency at all throughout this country as to when they go back. Uh, there are some schools here in Southern California that have been back for three weeks. Uh, I'm sure that that's this case elsewhere in the country. By the way, one of the more bizarre things I've been seeing is Halloween advertisements <laughs> in August before Labor Day, which is just yeah. asinine and insane. Everything about our calendar is now messed up. It's all because of money. Money drives everything. But you know, we, we now have... Halloween is extended because Christmas has been extended. Thanksgiving has been obliterated. Labor Day no longer marks the end of summer. In fact, you know, when I was visiting my father a couple weeks ago in Massachusetts, they actually had a sign on the beach that they could not they had to apologize for no lifeguards because they could not find any lifeguards because they had all gone back to college already. So, That's right. Uh, anyway, look, I mean, there, nothing's perfect about life, but... I'm someone who likes clear cut, beginning, middle, end. You know, you know, everything I, these days is muddled. Exactly. Thank you. That's the perfect way to put it. Everything's muddled. When the hell does summer end? When does it begin? By the way, right. we don't know that any either, anymore either because Memorial Day has largely lost a lot of its meaning. So uh, I don't know what the hell you know is going on. Well, with a lot of things, but uh, specifically <laughs> with regard to what this is and you know what this also is, Labor Day. You know the main me- the main meaning of Labor Day now. Forget about beginning of school, closing of pools ending of the time at the beach, whatever. Now it's the beginning of college football season. That's, of course it is. That's really what it's now become. The NFL has moved away from that first weekend to the second weekend because they want the Super Bowl in February. See, it's about everything's about money. You got to get the Super Bowl. Everything is about money. You got to get and the, it's just so much money. Yeah, you got to get the Super Bowl into February because it's worth more money in February than it was in January for the TV networks and so you know this is why everything's discombobulated but one of the things we like to talk about during the fall is college football and the the john and leah show uh official bowl game was played last night because it was southern cal where i live and where leah and i met and used to work together at kfi in los angeles and it used to be my favorite team when pete carroll was there and right you know and now uh and, and now leah lives in alabama uh, and as a big Crimson Tide fan, thus the Roll Tide. When we come back, we'll briefly talk about uh, what transpired there. Uh, <laughs> and um, we've got a ton of news, as always, to get to. Uh, m- lots more Hillary Clinton scandal. A bizarre, another bizarre week in the Trump campaign. Tons of stuff. Stay with us. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. This is the Free Speech Broadcasting Network.
Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. I urge you to go to freespeechbroadcasting.com. You can check out each and every one of the 22 different radio stations upon which this show is broadcast on a weekly basis. You can also check out all of my latest columns for the media website, Mediaite. Several of them deal with the presidential campaign this week and other topics that we will get to, hopefully, in the next two hours and 40 minutes or so. So check out freespeechbroadcasting.com. There's also a slight adjustment in the odds for the presidential race, which you'll want to check out. (laughs) Not Donald Trump's not at 5% anymore? No, he's not at 5% anymore. But uh, okay. you, so you can check that out for yourself at freespeechbroadcasting.com. Now, uh, we briefly usually mention what happens in the world of college football for a couple of reasons. One, I love college football. Leah now loves college football because she lives in Alabama where— I love SEC it's football. Like, it's like the law. You have to love college football when you live in Alabama, yeah. especially in recent times when the Alabama Crimson Tide are the best team in the nation. And it looks like they're going to be again this year after what happened in the John and Leah Bowl last night with Southern wait, Cal. Wait, wait, wait. You're talking about the Crimson Tide, so? You know, we've got to have a, a little background music. I don't even Crimson know what that is. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Everybody knows this. This I, is the this is I, when the Crimson Tide takes to the stadium. Okay. All right, this well. is the song. All right. Well, congratulations on a, a, a what was it, 52-6, to six, something like that. Yeah, uh, awesome. uh, vic- Victory. The, here's the parts of, of this that I find interesting. Number one. While it's really dangerous to make any assumptions based upon one game, it is really difficult to conceive based upon how the other teams in the SEC fared so poorly yesterday. Wow, that was um, bad. It, it, with, with the nature of Alabama's schedule this year, and as good as they looked last night, and if, with their recent success, obviously, winning multiple national championships, it is hard to conceive how <laughs> they don't make the SEC championship game and then almost certainly make the the playoff we're going to tampa i mean it it would be it would be a stunner for alabama not to at the very least make the sec championship game if not be a lock for the playoff and and frankly um it's hard to conceive of a team that's going to be good enough to beat them clemson didn't look real good against auburn they were ranked number two it's i mean there obviously there could be teams that come out of the woodwork uh, yes. I, I unfortunately think we're going to have to look, watch Houston all damn year because their schedule sucks and they beat out Oklahoma. And so if they go undefeated, they're probably going to end up getting a playoff spot, even though they might stink. Uh, um, I also think, by the way, with back to Alabama USC, I think that it's quite possible that the USC wins going to, it's going to kind of be like the way Donald Trump uh, looks back on beating Jeb Bush. You know, at the time it seemed like a big deal. <laughs> It's a big name, but in retrospect, boy, he really didn't have a chance at all, did he? Correct. Uh, USC is not very good. I, I will say from a personal standpoint, while I'm not a USC fan, I, I root for UCLA because I once coached their quarterback, Josh Rogan, <laughs> uh, I, I, which is just a hilarious story, um, I, you know, which I've talked about before in the eighth grade. I was his head coach and offensive coordinator, and I don't take any responsibility at all for how Josh plays. Um, but I do root for UCLA. Anyway, as far as uh, USC is concerned, I had a special rooting interest last night, which I don't mean to bring you down, Leah, but my college girlfriend, uh, who I used to speak about uh, on our old KFI show, okay. she, she uh, for her whole life, has gone to USC games with her dad. It's like their thing, right? And once a year, they go on a trip to a USC game. 
And you may recall about a, almost a month ago, I asked you whether anyone in Alabama might want to go to last night's game because she had tickets available, right? Well, because she wanted to sell them because it was an inconvenient trip after they had scheduled it. Well, she decided not to sell those tickets because her dad just got diagnosed with dementia. Oh, and, no. Yeah. And so real good chance this was their last trip that he'll have any real concept yes. of. And so it was real disappointment to me because he's a great guy uh, that, you know, their last trip ended up in this just horrendous <laughs> crushing at the hands it of Alabama. It was really just unbelievable. Now, now, on the bright side of that, the only way I can rationalize it is how amazing life can be on the other end of the spectrum when you consider the story of Lane Kiffin. Yes. I mean, I love it. I mean, two and a half years ago, two and a yeah. half years ago, folks, listen up. If your things are, you're down on your luck and you think things can't get any worse, so they're never going to get better. Two and a half years ago, Lane Kiffin <laughs> was unceremoniously was the head coach at USC and got fired at the airport. Left on the tarmac. Fired on the airport after they got humiliated. And and now, two and a half years later, he's not only have a national championship ring with Alabama, but the Crimson Tide crush his yes. old team, USC, which several still has several players that he recruited on that sure. team. Sure. And not only that, but the late word tonight, which I find amazing. You, may not, you probably haven't heard about this. Apparently, Alabama is going to meet this week with USC's other Steve former head coach, Sarkazian. Steve Sarkazian, who got mm-hmm. fired last year for yes. alcoholism as right. a potential assistant coach. Now, yep. if if they hire Steve Sarkazian, uh, then then I got to tell you, uh, the balls, I mean, the, the brass balls to, to do that, especially after you, you did with this with Lane Kiffin. I know is is just unbelievable. Uh, I mean, I I, I don't Listen, know what what Nick Saban right has a process. Yeah, if He's you are balls, willing, if you are willing to buy into the process, you are guaranteed success. That's the bottom line. It's the bottom line. Yeah, but only Nick Saban would have the Correct. balls would have the balls to hire Elaine a, a Kiffin. And then potentially the boss to hire a guy who just got fired for alcoholism because effectively on the recommendation of Lane Kiffin, because that's the only explanation for why this would ever happen, because they Kiffin and Sarkeesian coached together at USC. So uh, anyway, bottom line here is uh, while a ton can and will happen over the next 14, 15 weeks, it looks to me like you're going to celebrate another national championship or at least close to it. Uh, at, at, at Alabama, but uh, we'll see. Uh, we love Nick Saban. Yeah, uh, well, he's amazing. Um, <laughs> he all is. Right, when we come back, we got to talk about the uh, news in the presidential race, including some more bad news for Hillary Clinton and bizarre news involving Donald Trump. What else is new? Coming up on the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is Free Speech 
Broadcasting.com. Time now for our weekly look at the race for the White House 2016. And um, stop me if you've heard this before, uh, but Hillary Clinton has some issues with uh, her emails and with her FBI investigation of those emails in a, I'm sure, not coincidental document dump that occurred on a Friday of a holiday weekend. Leah Brandon, tell us what we learned. Well, the FBI released Hillary Clinton's interview notes when they were investigating her over the use of her private email server. Now, lots of it is redacted, but shockingly, Hillary Clinton played a championship version of Dumb and Dumber during the interview and investigation. Clinton cannot remember any training on how to handle classified information. She couldn't remember she authorized she was authorized to actually classify information. She also was involved in the process of deciding who gets droned, yet she couldn't remember how to determine who gets droned. Clinton threw General Colin Powell under the bus, trying to accuse him of setting the precedent for a private server. And also she blamed her State Department, repeatedly the aides there, for sending any classified info to her in email. Uh, we know she also sent classified emails to Sidney Blumenthal, who wasn't cleared for it. But she said that since he handles foreign correspondence, she had no worries about him handling this. And finally, she could recall no conversations about securing government records as she was leaving as Secretary of State. And by the way, she blamed all of this on her concussion. Yeah, that was one of the more interesting revelations in all of this. Um, you know, I realized that, you know, my opinion on all, all of this issue, the Hillary Clinton emails, has probably been unpopular among conservatives where you're supposed to believe that this is the worst thing that's ever happened and Hillary is a lying, corrupt liar, uh, you know, liar who kills and murders. And uh, what difference at this point does it make? Um, I, and I don't subscribe to the idea that this is irrelevant. It's not. What's frustrating to me is that we don't have a candidate that can fully take advantage of it. Uh, she's incredibly weak. She is someone who should not be president of the United States. Uh, she is a liar. And, she's incompetent. And that's, you know, and well, let me get to that. What I get out of this is, first of all, the level of arrogance is off the frickin' charts. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that, I think, drove a lot of this. I think, from what I can tell, arrogance was number one. A desire to hide what was going on in the Clinton Foundation was number two. You know, one or two, you know, you can choose whatever one you want. Um, I think incompetence plays a role in this. I, I mean, she's an old lady that doesn't really fully understand technology. And it's, it's funny because Trump doesn't do email at all. I mean, literally at all. He he will hand sign emails because I got one of them. <laughs> he will hand sign emails that his people print out for him. And then if you know that person wants it sent to them in the mail, <laughs> that's how he communicates. So we're never going to have a situation where where the emails of Donald Trump are hacked into because he doesn't do email, which may be, may be one of the reasons why he actually has an outside shot here. But back to, to the more serious point. I, I think there's an incompetence element of this. And then the, the, the adding into the health 
analysis here because I've not been one of these people who, and maybe it's simply because it's been driven by Alex Jones and Breitbart and Drudge, who I now now have to stain for. And so anything that they're championing, my BS detector is at a nine. I know. I'm there too. Right off the bat. So therefore, I've never bought into this Hillary Clinton health craze this this insane you know what seems like insanity that she's you know gonna die next week or that she's not capable of functioning as president well my gosh i mean this wasn't a a, a temporary situation where she said well you know i got a concussion that week and you know I, i my my memory is hazy no 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 this was over and over and over again which there are really only two explanations that are logical here She's lying. That's possible that she's used. But see, let's think about it logically. All right. If she is willing, especially with all these health rumors out there. So you got to put that in the context because this interview didn't happen that long ago. So the health rumors were already out there. So for her to use a health excuse for why she can't remember, not once, not twice, but numerous times. My God, if it's a lie, it must be something really important that she's hiding because you wouldn't use that as the excuse because there's a price to pay for that. That Well, I don't think she ever thought these notes would be released. Why not? Because why would the FBI, I think the pressure was on the FBI to release these. They don't normally do this. Uh, But, (sighs) well, see... To me, you got to come up with a theory that makes fully sense. If you're now saying that the FBI is caving under pressure to do things she didn't expect that actually harms her, then why did the FBI not indict her? Why why did the FBI decide to do this on a Friday of a holiday weekend? You, you can't to me, you can't have it both ways. You got to pick a lane. Either the FBI is in the tank or the FBI is not in the tank. And so, and I don't have an answer to whether they're in the tank or not. I, I don't know. But I will say that for her to use the concussion excuse to, to justify not remembering all those times, it's either, as I said, a lie that must be a really, really important lie or potentially worse, wow, she's got major health problems because you know, I've had a concussion uh, many, many years ago. Playing, playing backyard football, I hit my head really badly on a tree to the point where I couldn't re- even remember my name, literally. Uh, now, <laughs> I have an excellent memory. <laughs> I don't think it impacted my memory more than, you know, maybe that day, maybe a couple days after that. I still remember most of what happened that day, yes. in fact. So, so you know, just using that as an example, if she, if she honestly, truthfully can't remember things important things over an extended period of time because of that concussion, she really does have serious health issues. And All right. Go ahead. Here's my take. Here's my take on this. After I read all this, okay, because remember, I have always said since day one, her whole purpose of taking over Secretary of State was to get money into the Clinton Foundation. That is what I believe. Okay. And this, all of this stuff, uh, this cements that belief to me because I don't think she ever cared about anything going on as Secretary of State. I'm classified, this or that. Yeah, we talked about it, whatever. I don't remember. She only cared 
about putting money in the Clinton Foundation. None of this stuff was ever important enough to, for her to learn or remember or care about. Okay, but see, that's what I think. See, I have a problem with your theory again because it feels to me like you're not picking a lane. Because part of your theory, is it not, about these emails is that the reason why we don't have all the emails and that, you know, Blackberries were destroyed and emails deleted and all that was in order to protect the fundraising mechanism uh, of the Clinton Foundation. So in the one hand... Right. She doesn't care, and she's completely incompetent, and she's willy-nilly. And on the other hand— No, she doesn't care about Secretary of State. Yeah, but but Leah, if she's that willy-nilly about who she's sending emails to, whether they're classified or not, that's not consistent with somebody who's involved in a massive cover-up of this scam to bilk farm entities out of their money for the Clinton Foundation. You, you don't no, see the totally, contradiction there? It totally is. Because all of this that she was interviewed about had to do with the State Department. All of it. Right. Her function, her roles, who she's talking to, and drones and stuff like that. To me, none of that was important to her. She didn't care about any of that. Her main purpose was to bilk people. And so none of this was of any interest to her. And so now when she's confronted, don't you know about the classified information? Don't you know about this? I can't remember. I got a concussion. See, maybe it's a fetish of mine that I really, when I construct a theory, I like it to be consistent throughout. Not that it is. Not that life is totally consistent, but it seems to me as if we're mixing and matching clueless and careless with sophisticated and conniving and uh, and those two things seem to contradict one another. I don't. By the way, I don't know which is which, and maybe it's a little bit of both. Possibly, I'm frustrated by not being able to come up with a theory that fully works. I will, though, go back to my consistent conclusion on this, and that is, while I am, I have been wrong. See, when when Comey made his decision. I thought that would basically end the story because I figured the news media would be in the tank for her and that they wouldn't care about this story anymore. And, right, that, it, and right. that the FBI w- would just say, this is uh, this is over with. Move on. Let's go. Old uh, news. Right. I mean, the, so that there wouldn't be this this drip, 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 leak, leak, leak story after story. So I was wrong about that. And I have some theories about why it is that the news media reacts has reacted that way, which maybe we can get into later. But my consistent conclusion on this is there's a lot of smoke. I still don't see the fire. In fact, the only closest thing I've seen to fire is the concussion thing. I mean, wait a minute. Hold on a second. You can't remember really important things because you have a concussion. Now, now the health issue to me becomes more relevant. And by the way, Politically, if that ever became if that ever became viable beyond the world of Alex Jones and Matt Drudge and Breitbart, okay, it, yeah, and, Trump and, and, won't and sh- take that one up though. He will, but it doesn't matter unless the rest of the news media gives it credibility or something else. There's got to be a moment, like maybe at the debates. See if there's a debate moment where she freezes, which I don't think will happen because she's actually a fairly decent debater. But if that happens, we've now we've now got a narrative that has enough data points where that could torpedo her because she Trump needs her to be disqualified in the minds of enough people where he can get a, a large enough percentage of the vote to beat her. See, that's his problem. And that's why I've been so confident that he's not going to win because his 
ceiling is below her floor of vote. Right. I'm talking about percentage of vote here. Well, if she gets disqualified, it doesn't have to be in a large percentage of people, maybe 5% of the population, something in that range, disqualifies her because of a health concern. Now we got a ball game. Now, now she's in big trouble. We're not there yet, but at least the data points are there to where that's now possible. If if there's something else, something else has to happen to where the public sees it for themselves. And it's not going to be a photo on Breitbart of her being helped up a, a flight of stairs, folks. Okay, that's that's not going to do it. Uh, but if something happens at a public event where she looks lost, look out. The Rick uh, Perry oops moment. Right. Well, that that's exactly right. I mean, if... if which again, I don't think we're going to see that. I mean, we could. No. Oops. Yeah, we we could see it. Oops. But um, yeah, my my guess is we're not. But but at least now the narrative has been set. So if that happens, Trump certainly is in a good position to take advantage of that. Okay. Uh, so enough about it. Hillary Clinton and the FBI interview. When we come back, Donald Trump and immigration on the John and Yay! Leah show. <laughs> John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. And an issue of great intrigue on this program for the last couple of weeks has been, where does Donald Trump stand on the issue of illegal immigration? Now, you might think after 14 months of campaigning that on his signature issue, we would know the answer to this. But uh, apparently we didn't because there were all sorts of trial balloons that were floated in the last couple of weeks. And then finally, this week, in one remarkable day, he went to Mexico, then had a, a speech in Arizona. And Leah yes. Brandon, give us your perspective on what transpired. Okay, yes. Yeah. So he headed down to Mexico, uh, and I was interested in the hats that he brought. Everyone was wearing the um, Make Mexico Great Again, comma, also. He met with the Mexican president, and of course he's made building the wall along the border and making Mexico pay for it central to his campaign. So during a joint appearance, the two of them, uh, Trump said he didn't talk about the wall, or he did talk about the wall, but he didn't talk about a certain detail of the wall. We didn't discuss that. We didn't discuss who pays for the wall. We didn't discuss. Well, that's uh, not true, according to Mexico's president, who immediately sent a tweet saying that he told Donald Trump that Mexico would not pay for the wall. Trump then headed to Phoenix, laid out his immigration plan. It is a 10-point plan, and it includes, guess what? Don't worry, we're going to build that wall. That wall will go up. It's going to go up. We're going to build the wall. Mexico's going to pay for the wall. We're going to stop drugs from coming in. And he does say no amnesty. Apparently, people are going to have to leave the country and go back to their country and then come back in. So there's Donald Trump and his immigration <sighs> plan. And he still has a wall. As of today. Oh, it could change again. We don't know if it's hardening or softening. Um, <laughs> Laura Ingram, which is, who is a super Donald Trump fan, the next day interviewed him and asked him where the softening was. 
Trump, right. Trump bizarrely said, oh, I think there's lots of softening, at which point it sounded like an, elect, an, erect, an, electro, an erection dysfunction ad, the uh, softening and hardening. Um, and, and, and frankly, it was bizarre because, and this is the part of this whole thing that I don't get, Leah, all right, so, to, to follow me here, on Trump's strategery. Yeah. Uh, okay, now clearly this was a, a situation that was made by a committee because none of it made any sense. Over the last couple of weeks, we had Trump throw up the, the trial balloon that there's going to be a major softening. He even at one point says... His plan will be a lot like President Obama's, only with maybe a little more energy. That's almost, right. almost a direct quote. Now that you can't get any softer in comparison than Obama's plan. Than, than in comparison to where Trump was during the primaries, uh, then this my plan's going to be like Obama's, only with maybe a little bit more energy. Then he also, at the same time, he polls Sean Hannity's. Live studio audience in Texas as to what he ought to do and whether or not people ought to be deported. And then, so there's the, all this intrigue. And I got to tell you, you know, I criticize Donald Trump as much or more than any other conservative there is. But there is one thing that he is a freaking savant at, and that is manipulating the media. And boy, oh boy, did he manipulate the media for an entire day. Every yep. single cable news network yep. was waiting on bated breath for everything Trump did from the moment he left for Mexico to the to way beyond when his speech in Arizona ended. And by hey, the way, man, that was a great speech, I thought, in Arizona. And well, this guy has more energy than any 70 year old I know. All right, I want to get to this. We'll get to the speech in a minute. OK, but let I want to talk about the, the general optics of this whole thing. So. If I had told you th two or three weeks ago that an entire day of cable news television on every network, almost 100% of it, was going to be devoted to what Donald Trump's immigration plan is, you would have told me you're, I'm nuts because we knew it already. We, at least we thought we did. It's his signature issue. You don't get a second chance to create your signature issue in the middle of a general election. Yet Trump was able to do that. Not only was he able to do that, he got live coverage of this event in Mexico with the Mexican president, where, frankly, to me, he looked like a completely different person than the, than the one we saw at night. I mean, talk about night and day. I mean, he's like the castrated puppy dog in the morning in Mexico. And then talking about erectile dysfunction, he's got his you know raging heart on uh, in Arizona at night. A, yeah, but a, I thought in Mexico, the, the Mexican president was a little weak. Oh, in fact, I thought pathetic. Donald Trump looked pretty pretty good down there. Well, it depends on what you're looking for. I mean, I think the bar has been set incredibly low for Donald well, Trump. He mumbled some prepared words. Uh, he, he didn't confront Mexico on paying for the wall, which is like his signature line at his rallies. And, uh, you know, he didn't wet himself. He didn't insult the president of Mexico on live television. So I guess there's that. Uh, it's, it, the coverage of Trump in Mexico is a little bit like watching the Special Olympics. You know, if, if, <laughs> I mean, just by virtue of the fact that he finished. Oh, wow. Way to go, Donnie. Great job. Um, but, but I'm more interested in the, the night and day between Trump in the morning 
and Trump at night. Now, I, I'm not surprised that you loved the Arizona speech. Oh, yeah. and, and on paper, I think the speech in Arizona is a great plan. However, I don't believe Donald Trump because his plan changes with the wind almost literally. But more importantly that, than that, I didn't understand the politics of it because that's what's most important at this point. You're in the middle of a campaign where you're losing. What was the political motivation for doing this? We're going to talk about that in hour number two, plus a whole lot more when we come back right here on the John and Leah show on the free speech broadcasting network. 